go. Thanks, Harold. I'm doing well. Covet your voice. He just has that deep baritone, just booming voice. We got here last night, and as I get up on the podium, somebody had put this up here, and at first I'm like, oh, that's that's the Braves. And it was just a photocopy, and uh, it says, Braves eliminated by Dodgers in game four of the NLDS with a picture. And they highlighted it in case I missed it. Um, that is awesome. I, lo- I love that kind of ribbon. That's great. Are the Reds still in it? I, for- I-, I didn't miss it. I missed that. Uh- <laughs> Just that much. Boy, I shared last week that uh, we were going to start out with the homework part. So if you happen to be this your first time or you didn't get a chance to do it, that's fine. I just want to go around the tables. But basically, we put these words on the board, and I asked you to do three steps. Number one was just ask God to identify which one of those that he wanted to reveal kind of himself in more and how to how to obtain or how to uh, discover what he has for us in those. And then two was to pray and just say, God, will you show me and help me and guide me and what to do there? And then really just to do something, just to absolutely do something. It can be very minor, very large. And I'll give you an example because as I went through that, one of the biggest ones for me was my wife. I've been on the road for a couple weeks which is kind of rare. I'm usually gone two nights a week, but for two weeks in a row, which I can't remember the last time happens. I've been gone for five days and then six days respectively. And I just, as I look through that, I say, yeah, you know what? I need to spend some time with my kids. I can do that. But my wife's love language is quality time. So uh, the middle of the week, I'm either in Iowa or Kansas or somewhere, and I just called her. And, and I, as I prayed, God, what do I do? Well, I've got Saturday. i got Saturday. I'm going to be home. And uh, you know what? I, we need to just go out. So I called her in the middle of the week, and uh, and I call her every day. But I just said, hey, is there any chance Saturday night that uh, you go out with me on a date? And uh, she was like, yes. And I'm like, okay, uh, let's take care of the kids during the day. I'll do something with them when I get in town. And uh, But I, I really just want to be with you on, on Saturday night. She goes, oh, my goodness. So we were texting. It just turned out great. So it can be a small step like that. It may have been big. So here's what I want to do. I want you to take the next five minutes. So it's not going to be a long, drawn-out time, but five minutes to just go around the table and uh, just say, hey, you know, here's the one God put on my heart, and I, I did pray and say, God, help, and then I was able to do this or whatever. And if, if it, if you, again, if you're one of the ones that are just like, man, I didn't get a chance to do it this week, it's fine. Just listen, listen to guys at the table. And here's the part I want to get out of this, glean, glean from it. If you hear a good idea from somebody in one of those areas, um, steal it. Uh, your wife doesn't know that you got it from them. You just do it. You get credit for it. Your kids don't know you got it from them. That's, that's literally the way Jesus did. He got guys around there talking. He's like, that was good. That was good. Way to go. And, and he just, we encourage each other, sharpen each other. So five minutes, go around the table. Uh, talk through the homework. Which area did you identify? Did you pray about it? And did you do anything? Were you able to do anything with it? Go. As we're going to go ahead and get a dive into it, and I know you got some more to do. Um, we're going to have a, another time at the end where we can kind of talk and we'll go through the questions, and you can further that uh, as we get there. But on page 40, we're going to dive into today. Uh, if you haven't been here for all three, it was really cool to kind of see the reasons uh, why men are in the condition we are today, kind of societal pieces. But last week, we talked about where that where that power and where the ability and where the focus comes from. This week, especially if this happens to be your first week, 
this, you picked the perfect week because this is where we get a specific definition that literally will carry us through life if we, if we let it on who Jesus was. And I, the guys who wrote this did an incredible job of just going, here's, here's the way Jesus lived. He was the ultimate man's man. And, and the different pieces, and we're going to get into that. But at the top there, the introduction, uh, in the last session we learned uh, that God designed man to follow his example and to lead specifically by creating and cultivating. We were to be proactive, to create and cultivate. The most important we learned in the last session was the type of manhood God created us to live cannot be done. With our self-effort. I want you to underline that part. Cannot be done with our self-effort. Only a real vibrant relationship with Christ can provide us with the fuel we need to live an authentic manhood. Power comes from Him. The ability, the clarity, the, the wisdom, the, the very definition comes from Him. And if you want to review that, there's a, on their website, which is listed right below there, there are some great pieces. But God put within us... The three areas of, of responsibility. God gave man a will to obey. When we realize our need for him and we accept him into our life and we confess with our mouth Jesus is who he said he was and we believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, he puts within us a will and a desire to become who he made us to be as men. He puts that will in there. Um, <clears throat> God have us a will greater than our own. To obey. Not only that, a will, but he also gave us a work to do. Follow God's example to create and cultivate. He gave us a work. He gave each of us gifted in a way to do what he made us to do. And then finally, he gave us a woman to love, a companion for intimacy and fellowship. And he gives us an example of that that we'll look at in just a second. Uh, In the Bible, it really describes two men. One is the first Adam, which was Adam, and the second it refers to as the second Adam. And the Bible describes Jesus as that second Adam. And that's the, under the first and second Adam. That's there in Romans five seventeen through 19. So it says, For if because the one man trespass, death reigned through, <clears throat> excuse me, one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man. Jesus, for as by the one man's disobedience, in other words, Adam, uh, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. In other words, we literally were all sinners, that we all fall short, and that came from Adam's action, and we, we're in that same boat. But in the same way, we can discover righteousness, we can discover who we were meant to be through one man who Jesus Through Adam, sin entered the world, but through Jesus, righteousness entered the world. Adam failed at all three of the areas and responsibility, the will and the work and the woman. But Jesus fulfilled the responsibilities of the first Adam who failed at all of them. So Jesus fulfilled those. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45-47, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. The first man was from the earth, a man from dust. The second man is from heaven, Jesus himself. Now, here's uh, number two. I want you to underline this, this, one of these words that sticks out to you. 
And it's simply this, that every man will walk in the shadow of one of these two men. I would even say we are walking in the shadow of one of these two men. We're following one of these directions, either self-will or God's will. Number three there puts it really well. The first Adam chose conventional manhood. It's the manhood based on personal instinct, human reasoning, and human reaction. As we looked at last week, this, this is the one who lives to take, lives to use, and lives kind of selfish. What is in it for me? Jesus is an example of authentic manhood. It's not, not rules, but revealed as to who we are and who we were meant to be. When we accept Christ, it's not that he gives us a list of, of pieces we got to do. It's, he says, hey, here's who I made you to be. And the closer we get to him and the more we listen, the more we show up at 609 on a Monday morning, God lets us start to see this is who's in you. And, and there's something intrinsic about it that as we walk in it, even if it's difficult, even if it doesn't make sense, there will always be a fulfillment and a, and a significance that this kind of raises up as we walk in it and, and discover who he made us to be. So without further ado, on page 42, there's a very compelling definition of what that looks like. And these four components, really they're uh, they're I'm trying to think of a good word for it. All four of them are uh, desires that are within us that when we step in them, just really just pop. The first one is this. A real man, an authentic man, will reject passivity. Reject passivity. Adam was passive in the garden. We looked at this one last week. So when the woman saw the tree, it was good for fruit. And that it was a delight to the eye. She took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And we talked about this briefly last week of just, he just just passively stepped back. He stood back while they both knew God said, don't eat of this tree. And he just stood back and go, well, you know, she's going to do what she's going to do. And he just let her roll with it. Passively stepped back. And on the other side of that, Jesus rejected passivity. Jesus Though he was in the form of God, did not equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man, and being found in, in human form, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The difference there is Jesus stood up. He saw the need that we had, and he, he said, I'm willing to go to the nth degree to fill that need, no matter what that takes. Now, when I, when I say rejects passivity, I don't mean just in big, grandioso, life-changing ways where we lay down our life for our, our family or our kids. But it really is an, this mindset of just rejecting passivity. When we see a need, instead of going, hey, somebody ought to do something about that, we're, we're the ones who step up and do something. That's within us. And when we notice that, it, I believe with all my heart, that's from God himself. I'll give you one of my examples. It was the I can die in peace moment. Uh, we have kind of a supper club with three or four other couples, and we're with them. And one of the uh, one of the wives, a good friend of mine, is a doctor, and his wife was saying, "Hey, I saw Cody the other day." Now, Cody's my sophomore in college. This was about a year and a half, two years ago, and she said, "I got to tell you what I saw him do." Now, do you guys? Any of you have boys, children, boys? Okay, yeah. So when you hear that, I got to tell you what your son did. Do you do you have this experience? We're like, oh, okay, which is it? 
Am I going to have to punish him or praise him? Which is going to be? And I was feeling that way. And she said, well, I was going to the grocery store. And I heard a commotion right in the parking lot. And there's this lady. She had her gate up to her van. And she was literally, she, these boxes had just cascaded out. And they're all over the, the ground. And she says, as I looked there, I noticed out of the other corner of my eye a little bit of a blur. And it was somebody kind of jogging over to her. She said it was Cody. And he said, she told me, he just went over and he picked up like all these boxes. And he's like, hey, um, where are we going? And she goes, oh, well, you, you don't have to. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm here. I got them. Let's, let's go. Where are you going? She goes, well, I'm going to the UPS store. And he's like, great, lead the way. And he just carried the boxes in and he, he walked out. She said she bumped into him in the grocery store. And uh, he, he initiated with her and just came, oh, Miss Vic, it's so good to see you. Gave her a hug. And she said, Cody, I saw what you did. And he was like, oh, what did I do? What did I do? And she says, out in the parking lot, that lady dropped her boxes and you ran over and helped her. And you took her boxes. That was so nice of you. And here's where I can die in peace. Because he's like, oh, yeah, that was nothing. She goes, no, that was really nice. And he goes, oh, that's, that's just what my dad would do. And I was like, okay, I can die in peace at this moment. Because this principle of rejecting passivity to, to do something, we were meant to do that. That's what he kind of is embodying. So not only that, do we reject passivity the second decision or desire that's within us is to accept responsibility accept responsibility adam failed in the three specific responsibilities we look to jesus accepted the responsibility for a will to obey in john 4 34 jesus said my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work that that's my food that's what i eat and that's what he was saying when he was being tempted, Jesus accepted responsibility for a work to do. And Jesus said again, I glorify you, God, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In other words, I'm going to be responsible for this. And you can see these threads in almost every parable that Jesus gave. And then Jesus accepted responsibility for a woman to love. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This idea of responsibility I've seen this in in great men all over, and really I'm realizing that it's not so much great men, it's just who we are and who we were meant to be. Now, how many of you remember when TV only had three channels? Okay, all right. Uh, If you raise your hand, you're like me, you're old. And uh, remember when the remote control was walking up and turning it with your hand? I never understood why they had 12 of them, there's only three channels. Why don't I just three? But anyway... So I remember Saturday mornings, I'll never forget Saturday mornings, on one of the three channels, there was one football game on, one football game on Saturdays. And I was 10 years old, and this particular Saturday, Georgia Tech was playing Alabama. Alabama was ranked either number one or number two, and Tech was not ranked. Alabama was picked to win, I think, by 17 points. And not only did Georgia Tech not lose, they won I want to say it was by two touchdowns. It may have been 10 points, but they won, and they won handily. And I'll never forget Bear Bryant, the iconic Hall of Fame coach, walking off the field. And this reporter got to him real quick, and it was before that was a thing. It was just he's walking off the field, and this reporter said, Hey, coach, hey, coach, can I, can I, can I get a minute? And he just kind of looked at him very nostalgically, and he said, Sure. And he says, Coach, 
He said, uh, rough day out there. You guys really let you down today. What happened out there? And I will never forget what Bear Bryant said. He just looked at him and he said, uh, my, my players did not let me down today. I let them down today. The coaches and I failed to prepare them for this football game properly. And I let them down. Uh, we, at Alabama, we have the finest players in the country. And uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed for, for not doing my job the way I deserve to do my job and the way they deserve it. And, and I was stunned. And I'm literally, I had two thoughts. I thought, you didn't, you didn't play one down. Those guys played horrible. They came in cocky and over, overconfident, and they just got their tails handed to them. That, that's not your fault. That's their fault. But he really believed that. I mean, I really sensed. He believed that. It, it was me. It was my responsibility, not theirs. And I, the second thought I had was, I would hate to be one of those players on his team the next week being prepared for the next week because it was not going to be a happy week. And let me tell you, he prepared them. You can go back and look at it. Alabama did not lose another game that year. Georgia Tech did not win another game that year. It was one of those where, are you living for the moment or are you living to be responsible? Because when we follow Christ, failure is never final. It's, it's just taking responsibility and owning it and realizing, okay, God, I've got some work to do and you're working on me. And he who began a good work, he's going to keep working on me until he returns. And, and it's just this, this acceptance of responsibility, which makes all the difference in the world. And we're called and we were designed to be responsibility. So that thirdly, the third kind of desire within us is to lead courageously. Lead courageously. Adam failed to lead. Jesus led by providing direction to others when he told his disciples in Matthew 4, follow me, follow me. I've got a purpose and you're going to see this and it's going to be incredible. Um, I tell my kids, each of my boys, I have three boys and I've told them, I sat down with him. I said, guys, here's the deal. My number one job as your dad is to teach you how to be a man, is to teach you to become a man. And I'm so thankful that I got this opportunity with my two oldest ones when they were going off to college uh, before my heart surgery and all that. I, I literally, I remember it. I sat down with them and I got to speak into them and I just got to say, hey, there's four words. And I had told them this when they were little boys. I said, there's four words that... You master these, and it will literally, you'll succeed at whatever you do. And I'm here to help you become a man. And I sat down with them at lunch before they left, and I went over all four words, and I gave them examples of where they had become these words. And that I, I got to speak into them and say, you are a man. You're a man now. And if I weren't around, I know that you're going to step up and you're going to take responsibility and that you are responsible for what you do and that you are not going to be passive, but you're going to step up. If something were to happen to me, I know that you would come alongside and take care of mom and you're going to take care of our family because you're a man now. And I could just see them slightly overwhelmed, but the most just going, wow, okay. And I've seen their, their whole countenance change over the last couple of years. Um, Jesus also led by providing protection. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus led by providing life for others. The first man, Adam, came because became a living being. The last Adam 
came as a life-giving spirit. And to pull these three together, one of the four words I shared with my boys, I learned the word when my daughter uh, was uh, fighting cancer. She's, she's 15 now. She's doing great. But when she was four years old, she was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. And I'll never forget learning this word. And it kind of pulls the passivity and responsibility and courageously all together because of what I experienced, not because of what I did. But I learned this word and it changed everything for me because when we were in treatment, the first two weeks we lived at the hospital and they started the treatment. But then I saw these people just kind of raise up. Now, I'm a nice guy. And if there was something wrong with one of you, I'd be the first one to go, hey, man, I'll be praying for you. If there's anything I can do, let me know. And I mean that. But what I saw was this word, and it was probably best encapsulated by one of the guys who came by. It was the first day that I was home full for a whole day and two weeks after the whirlwind of her, her diagnosis and the beginning of treatment. And uh, one of my buddies, Royce, uh, came by. He owns a landscaping company. Just I'm getting my mail, and it timed perfectly. He parks his truck, and he goes, hey, man. And I said, hey, you're because they do the landscaping in our neighborhood. And I said, hey, man, you, you, you're in the neighborhood today. He says, yeah, but uh, I got a crew here, but I was over somewhere else. I just wanted to come by and let you know that uh, I'm, I'm praying for Kennedy. And I said, man, thanks. And he goes, and I want to just let you know, I've got crews in this area. We're going we're gonna to do your yard this year. We're just going to take care of your yard. And I was like, dude, if you just do it like one time, that'd be such a blessing because I can get caught up. And he's like, yeah. I don't think you really understand. We're going to do it all year. We're going to do it for the whole year. And I said, well, if you can do it for like a month. And he goes, yeah, you're really not listening. Uh, we're, we're going to do it all year. And they did. And I not only got a great yard, but he knew that time is what I was going to need. And it was one of the biggest blessings. That's one example of hundreds of people. They did not ask permission. They didn't ask for recognition. They didn't ask for thanks. They didn't ask for anything. They just showed up and did. And it was everything from meals to a yard to helping with a project at homework with my boys. And I bet out of the hundreds of those acts, over half of them, I to this day have no idea who did them. Because they took this, the word is simply initiative. It's the initiative to go, and it's not in your book. You can just write it in the, in the margin, but initiative. And we were created as men to take initiative. And that's who we are. And all three of these are there. And then, and, and when we do that in a way, and number four is just invest eternally. When we do take initiative and we're, in, we're, we're literally investing, and I would even say this, almost any purely selfish act will result or reap eternal result, results. If we will take that, Adam invested in the temporary, choosing what would satisfy him in the moment. Jesus invested in the eternal. He lived it and he taught it. In Matthew 6.19, he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And as men, I, there's just something intrinsic. And I know I've used that word already, but there's something about it. When we live in these four desires that I believe are in the core of who we are, it just comes out that 
That's just right. That's who I was meant to be. And in conclusion there, you can look at, it's got all four of them listed out. And as we go into this time, and and I'm going to give you this last blank, before the discussion though, I want you to say the second word in each of these, just to draw it home and say it together. The first is reject. Okay, that was extremely too passive for the first one, all right? So the first one is to reject, accept, lead, and invest. It's hopeless to live this out without a life-giving spirit of Jesus fueling our journey. It's the life-giving that Jesus gives us that really makes these possible. And he's walking with us to do this. So with that, I want to just give us, um, we've got it, we've got 20 minutes. And uh, I want us to walk through these and just take your time in your groups, these questions, mainly the first three. And um, after you get done with that, we're going to go through the homework, a little bit of uh, focus for next week that kind of builds on last week. So go through those four questions specifically and mostly the first three because if you get those, you're going to get the last one. But uh, take about 20 minutes, go through those, and uh, let's drive these home. Alrighty, guys, we're going to have a chance to, uh, we'll have a couple minutes at the end if you want to finish up a question or two or get a little bit of clarity. I want you to take a look in your books on page 45 in that khaki area, the khaki area over there. I want you to write these words in a line on the left side of that. And it's it's the words we had before, and I know, and I, so that's it. Yeah, it's the same ones, but you can drive them in a line. Uh, God, wife, work, kids, cause. And I just want you to write those in a line down there, because kind of the reveal this week, if you want to take a, a little bit of time to say, okay, God, reveal to me a little bit more about who it is and and it really is a clarifying. I love one of the questions at this table. Didn't you say, what does it mean to lead courageously? And, and this is where that reveal happens. It's, it's letting God deal and show us that as we move forward. So the, the passivity part, uh, you, you, if you look straight across on page 44, you've got all of them listed there. And here's the exercise that I hope next week we can open with. And that is to simply this. Go through each area. Uh, on your own, not right now, but just on your own, and just ask God, God, which of these really desires within me needs to reveal in the area of work? Which one in the area of wife? Uh, I'll, I'll give you some some personal ones as I'm praying through these on the work one. I was just like, Lord, which one of those really applies? And it was the accept responsibility. Uh, I I think sometimes I just get in the mode of working and working and working. And wishing, working and wishing things just get better, working and wishing everything just unfolds. And God just really pressed on my heart, you know what, it, it's, your, it's your deal. You're responsible for this. You're responsible for next year. So go ahead and, and grab that. With, with my wife, it was the, the passivity. I've, I find myself when I'm really busy and I'm a little tired, I just kind of step back. And uh, I don't initiate the way I should in that relationship. So for me, that was it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the initiative there, and I'm going to step up there. Um, with the kids, I realized just the act, leading courageously can be simply going, I'm going to take the step to involve them. Like I always grab one of my kids when I'm running errands, and I let them be a part of that. I let them see part of my work. I let them, not let them, I, I make them. 
help me get ready for some uh, trips and do different pieces because I want them to, to capture it. And this is one lesson I've learned as I've led in that area and as God impresses my heart, especially with my kids, more will be caught than will ever be taught. And it amazes me what they will parrot to their friends and parrot to my wife. And I'm like, where did you get that? And they're like, well, from you. And I'm like, when? And it's just just allowing that. So go through each of those areas and ask God to just kind of show what it is. And I would the only clarification I give is don't look for the grandioso. Look for the overwhelmingly obvious of what God, with the cause piece. I can't do everything. But here's, here's a couple phrases God's laid on my heart over time. Everybody can't do everything. But everybody can do something. And as we're listening to opportunities, there's all over the place. There's a ton of opportunities. When one of them just catches you like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like today, if it ever stops raining, uh, the, the golf tournament today, and most of you may, some of you may not have even heard about it, but I, I heard about that, and I'm like, okay, I can't solve the world's problems. But there's a golf tournament, and the support goes for this medical mission in Belize. And there's going to be literally doctors that are going to be trained better, people that are going to get care because of the support raised from this tournament. I'm like, I like to play golf. I, I can do that. Okay, so I get to be a part of a cause simply by being a part of something that somebody else has a passion for. That That's stepping up. That's kind of being that, that man part. So um, it doesn't have to be grandioso. It can be simple. Uh, and then with the, the God piece, I remember praying one time. Again, this is in the I can't I can't do everything. And one was I'd heard all the time, you know, you, I don't know if you see pictures of the the world hunger, you know, all these starving children. I'm like, Lord, I, I can't solve world hunger. I, I can't do that. But if there's something that you bring across my path that, OK, well, a few few weeks later, I met this guy in Florida. I was actually teaching a study down there every week. And uh, I said, what do you do? He goes, well. I uh, actually, I run kind of a mission organization in Haiti. And I'm like, really? And and he told me some stats on it. He said, you know, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And he just went through, I'm like, wow. And he said, uh, he, he told me a little bit. I said, well, I, I, I don't, I'm not a missionary, but, you know, what do you do for people who are thinking, wow, yeah, I'd like to do something. And he said, well, we, we actually do a little sponsorship thing where it's not for the rest of your life, but it's once a month. Once a month, you, you 30 bucks, and he showed me what they get. They get a meal every day. They get material make clothes. They get an education. They have access to a clinic for a dollar a day, and it's a year commitment. I'm like, dude, I want to do that. I can't solve world hunger, but for Velva, a little girl in Haiti, I, I, I want to do that. And what really was cool was that little step changed me in the sense that that was my favorite check to write every month because I knew this little girl was getting food and I ended up getting to go over to Haiti and I met Valva and I got to see the little uh, cinder block house where they live no windows no door just one cinder block room and I got to see the school where she got to eat I said did you go to school and the food that she got every day and I got to eat lunch and I was just like this is really cool that's a year commitment but I can tell you this that Something just clicked with me during that year where I'm like, I, I just really love doing this. And I, I want to be a part of this. 
And I got a letter one day, and uh, it was it wasn't a bill. And I like I open the letters that aren't bills, so I opened it up, and it was a letter handwritten from Velva. And she goes, Mr. Ken, she says I'm learning English now at school. I'm making great grades. My family, we get to go to the beach this weekend. Now, when when they go to the beach, it means they're going to walk three miles and be on the beach, literally just the sand. That's it. They're going to pack a lunch and go. And she said, and we're so excited. And then she said, Mr. Ken, how are you doing and how can I be praying for you? And I'm like, I'm good. And I just love sponsoring her because of the reminder it is to me of, of what, what's really important. Um, I saw more community in this third world country than, than we have. It, it's just several levels, but it started with just taking the, the step to go, okay, Lord, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And here's what I've learned. And here's a phrase God gave me a few years ago that I've just lived by. The smallest action is greater than the grandest intention. Just do something. The smallest action. Doing anything in these areas is going to be a a well within us to just kind of spring up. So that's our kind of focus for next week. We'll start there of just did you get to just take some time And just get real with God and say, God, in work, which of these areas do you want to reveal in me a little bit more? And just go through all of those different areas, and we'll have some time to unpack that. Does that make sense? There is one really cool opportunity if, and I don't know if anybody in here does, but if you don't, if you know somebody who does. If you know somebody with a 8th or ninth grade boy as a dad, this, these pieces on the middle of the table is an incredible opportunity. For four weeks on Sundays in November, they're going to be literally going through what we went through today. And they, this coordination-wise, I didn't even know about this till last night. So the fact we did this week and this is available is incredible. And it's uh, the real man. It's the four desires within us that we looked at. And then they're going to do a retreat on the last uh, weekend of November, which is going to be amazing. And it, the details are here. I would encourage you, grab one of these, and just if you hear of somebody or know somebody that has a, a son that age, just say, hey, you may want to look at this. This is really, really cool stuff. So that's available there. So, um, oh, the last piece, that is my phone number. This isn't God's phone number. This is my phone number. Uh, if If you want to connect, I had a great time with some guys last night at dinner. Um, and then next week, I'm trying to think what next week is. I am coming in and out, so I'll be here for dinner and or, I think that one's taken already, but uh, breakfast after this time or a lunch on a Monday. Um, I I just love hanging out here, and, and the, the conversation we had last night was amazing. Um, we talked about nothing. We talked about frivolous, and we talked about the important. They just kind of brought it up. It was, it was just a great time. The The time you have around your table, I would just encourage you, Make that a part of conversations. Just let it let it happen, but say, hey, what are you learning? What, is, what part do you struggle with, or what part do you think God wants to reveal? And, and there. So you've got to have a few more minutes to do that, but let me just wrap us up in a word of prayer, and uh, we, will, we will go from there. Father, thank you so much for this time and the direction. I thank you for the men who put this material together. Thank you for our opportunity to go through it. And I thank you this morning specifically for this definition. I pray that we would grapple with it and that we would literally lay it before you and and just let it be a life process to say, God, if you put this in me, 
how do you want me to live it out? Because that's where I'm going to find my fulfillment and significance. So, Father, just work it in us, and not as something we got to do, but something that we want to discover. So, Father, I just thank you for this and these men getting up today. Uh, I pray that you'd multiply the time of their day. I pray that you would just uh, use us greatly today to encourage those around us. And uh, we, we rely completely on the power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us to do that. And we rest in you. In Christ's name, amen. Guys, thanks for coming this morning. you got a few extra minutes to chill and hang if you want to.